extra podcast from the hosts of the Community Pulse. Let's hear what your hosts are talking about in this episode. So smooth. So smooth. That's a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just listening or going through the questions makes me reimagine all the things that goes into my calculus for speaking at a conference, attending a conference, both virtual and in person. And it's just, uh, it's nice to, to, to take a second to pause and just really soak in all the changes that has happened in this short period of time. Well, and I think it's interesting. Uh, one of the things that we touched on was the the idea that I think the, the focus of why we do these things has changed slightly. I think that mm-hmm. for a long time, we talked about this in episode 61 as well. And I mentioned that during the thing. For a long time, it was like, oh, so a vendor goes there to sell, a speaker goes there to promote a concept or a product, uh, an attendee goes there to gain as much knowledge as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the understanding that we've had of conferences as conferences. But what's mm-hmm. changed is we realize, well, the attendee is really there to mix with as many people as they can, meet as many people as they can, expand right. their horizons as much as possible. A speaker is there to get that visceral reaction they need that inspires them to continue to speak to make the topic feel like it's valued or important to a community. And the vendors are there to let the community know that they are there as good citizens. Mm-hmm. That's something that if, if I tried to have that conversation with a client or with someone I was employed with, you know, before the pandemic, they would have been like, get out of here with your happy bullshit. Yeah. 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 It's the, the, the thought about conferences has been very, I give you this, you give me that. In terms of like, yeah, it's just very, not just one transactional, but just one step. There's not a linear like chain of events that builds trust, that builds connection, that shows that the product or the service or the person and all that stuff is more nuanced and have all of these different facets. And so now it feels as though coming out of a pandemic or still in a pandemic or the tail end of pandemic or whatever, that you know, we have to bring our whole selves and everything we do. And that comes to and hits every part of that environment when you talk about an in-person event. Right. And I, and I think the one thing that we didn't, we, we mentioned it a few times, but I think that we could talk more about was was the the sad, sad, slow death of the meetup. Um, it mm. seems like I've talked to a lot of people who are interested in going to meetups, but I'm not talking to a lot of people who are interested in running a meetup. It is, in all fairness, it is tiring, it is exhausting, it is tough, it's not easy. But at the same time, um, they are the backbone of how you build a conference. Like, you know, I know mm-hmm. that we didn't we didn't talk about it, Jeff, but Star Trek grew out of the meetups in Columbus. Um, yeah. and the things that people were doing. Um, I know that you know, Code Days and Nickel City Ruby and a lot of the things that I did here grew out of the meetups that we have here in, in, in Western New York. You need that base. You need that feeder almost because I mean, mm-hmm. like, it's like a pipeline meetup, just for conferences. Exactly. You're, you know, your meetup attendees, even if they're only 15, 20, that's your first 15 and 20 people buying tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going back to their organizations going like, Hey, you know, there's this conference going on. We should sponsor it or we should send more people to it. There's so much that we can learn. Um, I, I feel like that's the, the one part that we haven't repaired ourselves with. Um, and it's tough because, you know, you're asking people to go out on, on a school night um, <laughs> more often than not and and spend more time outside the home when even though we're excited to go to conferences, like a meetup is like, well, I'm not going anywhere exotic. Right. And um, the time commitments an hour, two hours, three hours max. Right. Uh, and and yeah, it's local quality pizza. 
and you see the people that you are building a relationship with every time and you can be more vulnerable to be able to have some of those conversations that progress on these subsequent meetings, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it is sad that a lot of these groups shuddered and died. And now that those that are coming back feel like they even, some of them have to start over from scratch for those right. who do want to come back. Yeah. I totally, yeah, that's a really good point. Really good point. Um, one going back to the, the conference part, another thing that I think, um, I would love to talk on is the sponsorship where um, it is kind of like a lead generator, but um, it is the community itself, how, mm -hmm. especially with user groups being uh, and meetups being less prominent, that it's, it's good to go to these conferences just to talk to your own community, the people who are currently using your product or are currently familiar with your company and just to see how they're doing. It's a good place or a point of checking in. And um, and those who don't use your product and know of your product, the nose on the sponsorship track, I'll just call it, in booth or whatever. Right. Uh, finding the reason why people don't use your product is also extremely valuable, not just uh, clicking a badge or writing down or getting a business card. Do they do right. cards? I think people do still do business cards. I okay. mean, it depends yeah. on... It depends on what kind of conference you're at, but I, I, you know, I'm sure at reInvent there's a lot of business card exchange. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's a business uh, like card. Like those kind of large sky. Yeah, there's if if you see if there's anyone at a tech conference wearing a tie, that person definitely has a business. Okay, card. they have a business card. Yes, yeah, but so. just knowing why people don't use your product is almost as value, if not more so, than the people who already use your right. product because that's how you grow and that's how you get better and that's how you refine your messages. And that, that's um, if, why, you know, yeah. I, I think a lot of times, I think the missed opportunities, people send like, you know, a marketing manager or, or something, send, send a C-level to go work your booth. Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's just one day, send them there and see how people give feedback. Send an engineering manager, send an engineer, send a support person. Have people tell them for real, like, you know, I didn't use this because I went through the getting started guide and I, couldn't get through the documentation. Oh, well, obviously we have a problem with documentation. Yeah. You know, the, 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 like you're going to get such raw and real feedback that, you know, people don't want to do that in the virtual. So they're like, eh, how many times have you, you know, shut down StreamYard or Google Meet? And it's like, hey, how is that meeting for you? Was that good? Yeah. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Like, Happy face, just, smiley face. Exactly. And, and you're not, you're not going to bother. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. pertinent to what you're trying to do. So true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has to be both ways. So yeah. you, you can't just only like tell them what they need or what they want. You have to listen to what they need and what they want. So. And, and, and speaking of which we didn't, we didn't dig into this, but one of the things that Carrie mentioned, and I'm not, not here to, to, to slam what she had to say was, you know, the virtual conferences gave so much access to so many people, but when they looked at the numbers of a lot of those first level virtual conferences, the level of, you know, diverse attendees, um, compared to an in-person event wasn't actually that different. Um, they, they found that, you know, and, and granted this is, you know, voluntary self-identification. Right. So, so we're depending on, on less than scientific numbers. Um, but at the same time, like the, the, the idea that there was a, a, going to be this big glut of people who never had the opportunity before um, wasn't quite how it came through. Uh, and the, the reason they were thinking that's true is because like you're saying like, oh, well, now as, as long as you have internet connection, it's like, yeah. So you have to have good internet connection. You have to have video streaming level internet connection 
You have to have a decent enough machine that can actually produce things that are good enough to be seen on video. And that's still not the case for a lot of people who are living in poverty. Um, like it's not that simple for them to just go like, oh, well, now that it's virtual, my life has changed and I'm getting a job in tech and everything's solved because of virtual conferences. Mm -hmm. Like the door is open, but there's still a lot of steps that lead to that door that people need to be helped out to walk through. Um, and we haven't solved that problem yet. Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest advantage I've seen is especially with North America based events is that people can time shift it. So right. That's uh, they can watch it after hours that uh, from the perspective of North America. Um, but, uh, and also there's the long tail of maybe it lives on and catches fire. I don't, I, I think there's a lot of statistics that still, uh, I think the numbers aren't very easily accessible for a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, I, like, it's like a, it's like a U.S. Yeah. presidency. We won't know for years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who actually did win? Uh, the the I think you painted yeah, a picture the, of me that I don't care for. <laughs> but I think you illustrate another point about virtual events is that the tools aren't there, um, right. and the maturity not just for the numbers and the reporting, but also the the things that we were able to delineate from the great things that you get from in-person events, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the networking, the, the, the hallway tracks, the, the experiences of going somewhere. Um, the, the ease of conversation. Yeah. Ease of conversation is not bound by time or boxes. Like you can see different angles. Uh, I, <laughs> I met several coworkers just recently with my, I'm in a new role and just seeing how tall people are is also like, <laughs> uh, it just you there's so much information that's transmitted uh in in-person event that you just may not realize uh that you don't get virtually exactly exactly and, and that's it we talked about it. i for me you know having having had a lot of ties into the, the deaf and hard of hearing community uh like my reception of someone is very much based on their body like you learn a lot mm -hmm. somebody's body language i'm not going to like the whole like you know neo whatever uh, idea that like oh if someone has their arms crossed it means they're not accepting what you have to say that's yeah. bullshit but like there there is a lot to be learned from somebody's body language like their proximity to you um the, their attentiveness you can tell if somebody's actually looking you in the yeah they're probably paying attention that's something we don't get because even even right now yeah. we're doing we're doing this on Streamyard I'm looking at the picture of Wesley not the camera which would be looking in Wesley's eyes to indicate mm -hmm. that I'm listening because I want to look at your face that's something that doesn't translate well virtually. Yeah, um, and that's not even like a whole body language thing. That's just where my eyes are, mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's something that you know. It's we sure we could we could train it up, but um, you know, I it's not something that I think can be exchanged. Um, and a shared environment as well, like you and I right now, we're talking about the podcast that we just did. Mm -hmm. How many other conferences are like that, where you can right. have a conversation about what you both experience at the same time? There. Are, Aren't, you can do that on a, an in-person conference. Virtual conferences have not built that in yet. No, no. I mean, I, one of my favorite things is when I'm done with a talk, uh, like like leaving the room and the people that you know, didn't want to mm -hmm. ask a question publicly. There's a conversation yeah. going on outside that room I was just speaking in. And that lasts 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour. And you're so ingrained. And you, next thing you know, you, you've made a new friend and you're going to dinner. Mm -hmm. and, like, this is all a lot of fun. Like, it's like as much as I love virtual conferences because I love my messages to reach as many people as possible. At the same time, like I also like to have fun doing this. I, I do yeah. this job because I enjoy it mostly. 
most of the time. I mean, nobody enjoys everything all the time or else it'd be like utopian bliss. But, you know, I, I enjoy being around people. I really enjoy that interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like at the virtual conference, it's like, hey, here's my 30 to 40 minutes. Here's five to 10 minutes of questions. And I'm going to log off and go back to work. Yeah. And I also like getting better at my job and the things that I like to do. I think exactly. the feedback portion of Necessary. virtual conferences is not, not there. I gave, I, uh, Jeff mentioned, we were both at that conference last week and I gave a talk. And at the end of the talk, I said, you know, can you raise your hand if you didn't get anything out of this talk? And then someone raised their hand and they, then we had a conversation about how I sucked, which was like really good. To, I, I, I to hear about like, <laughs> well, it, it did not, for resonate this person, with this resonate person. with them for certain points of it, or um, the points that I made weren't explicitly clear for their specific use case, which is where I was able to deviate from the plan and then really just try to talk to this one person about mm-hmm. their specific needs amongst everyone else witnessing this as well, so that I could either make what I was saying clearer, but they could also assist and help this other person with their specific needs that they're trying to work through. And it's, it, that's that's really hard to do virtually, but it also made me a better speaker. One, uh, because I, I could, the questions at the end sometimes are like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Right. Uh, or that is a better way of presenting that. That's a little gets right to the point or front loads the information that will make the rest attach better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll and, freely admit that I've, yeah. I've rearranged talks based on feedback yeah. that I've gotten from an earlier version of that talk. Um, and it, I mean, it's necessary. And, and I think when, when you see it virtually, it's written, you don't know the tone of voice. Mm-hmm. You can't tell if someone's like, you know, like, Hey, I like legitimately have a question. I did not understand what you said. Or it's like, I don't get what you're saying. It's just, you yeah. Know, I just, yeah. I yeah. Are like you trolling or are you just questioning? Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, with me, I just always assume they're trolling and therefore I troll back. So it's bad in the virtual setting. And also the boldness. Like we had that connection like visually first face to face that I said, who didn't get any some in a virtual land, they might just click the X. They might just like leave the conference and you just right. like. And you'll never know. Never. You'll never know. You never, you don't get that. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, you know, to get kind of a sense of how they enjoy uh, virtual conferences or, or, or partake. A lot of them are like, well, you know, it's like I put it on one screen. And I continue working about my day and like kind of half paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Something catches my interest. I'll watch the video later. So like even that, like kind of just left earring it, um, which I don't even know if that's a fair. I might've just made that up, but like, you know, you're just kind of sitting there and you're, you're mostly doing something else, but kind of listening for maybe something that piques your interest. That's not what going to it in, in real life. And yeah, in real life, you know, lots of times I've seen people, I never get upset when someone walks out of my talk, talk, especially mm-hmm. not when they do it. laptop in hand, panic look on face. We all have jobs. Yeah. Um, and I've also been the person that had to run out of a talk because an emergency came up and I had to write, you know, quick code to, to fix servers and what have you. So that's not unusual. Um, and, I, and I think that that's fine. But when people drop off from a virtual event, you don't know if it's due to lack of interest, due to an emergency popping up. They're, they're only half paying attention anyway. Yeah. And... Let's drop out of this after pulse. Really good show. Thank you, PJ. Excellent show. Uh, I really had a good time with you, Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing you. Uh, and hopefully next time we'll have our rest of the co-hosts. I missed you. Yes. Uh, and, and Jason, 
we will see you next time. Yeah. And that's the close for the after polls. All right. This has been another episode of After Pulse with Mary Thangwall, Jason Hand, PJ Haggerty, and Wesley Faulkner. Learn more at communitypulse.io or at community underscore pulse on Twitter.